Welcome to the CEC report for the 2nd of August 2019. I'm Elisa Barwick and joining me today is CEC Research Director Robert Barwick. Welcome Robert. Thanks Elisa. And on today's show, Morrison's cash ban is a trap but we can stop it. And secondly, to really fight money laundering, target big banks and auditors. So firstly today, in what is very big news, Morrison's cash ban is a trap, but we can stop it. Now, late last Friday afternoon, the Morrison government introduced a new piece of draft legislation which would ban cash transactions over $10,000. And we have an urgent mobilisation because there are only 10 days or less, if you're watching this on community television, to put in a submission and really send the message that the population are not going to stand for this. 12th of August is your deadline. And of course we'll explain all the details, but the driver of this first of all is the global financial crash, which has reached a point of absolute desperation when you look at the various monetary authorities around the world because there is nothing left in their arsenal and they don't know what they're doing. So of course we've had over the last 24 hours the US Federal Reserve uh, reducing their interest rates for the first time since the global financial crisis. Um, this is part of a uh, what uh, former Wall Street banker Naomi Prins describes as collusion, which is the same collusion that occurred post-GFC, uh, where global central banks globally coordinate this kind of action to pump money into the bubbles that they know are about to burst. Yeah. And a year ago, as of around about now, the head of JP Morgan Chase, Jamie Dimon, had actually warned about QE and he said, look, I don't want to scare people, but we haven't done this before. We haven't done QE. We haven't unwound QE. So basically we're in uncharted territory. And he said the monetary transmission mechanisms have changed. Of course, we tried. We started to unwind QE. And now we have doubled back on that because of the consequences that already started to occur. And right now, the consideration is for radical, even more extreme monetary policy than we've done in the last 11 years to date. Some people call them unnatural acts. Mm -hmm. That's what they're resorting to. And this would include um, not just zero interest rates, but negative interest rates, not just negative interest rates, but deep negative interest rates, perhaps down to negative 4 to 5%. Uh, it also includes bail-in, which is the mechanism that was launched globally by the Bank for International Settlements. So this is new post-GFC. Uh, and what it means is that in a crash, uh, people's investments and deposits would be confiscated in order to keep the banks afloat. So what we'll go through now is that this bill to stop people using cash is designed to lock them in the system so that yeah. it, when it crashes... Uh, their money can be confiscated or they can be locked in in the meantime uh, with the negative interest rates, which means people would be charged, their savings would be eroded uh, by those negative interest rates, taxing them for keeping their money in the bank. Exactly, which is why we call it the trap, right? This is a trap. It's designed to trap people in the system. Um, the bill is called the Currency Restrictions on the Use of Cash Bill 2019. Now, um, we are regarding this as one and the same with the intention behind bail-in, Elisa, and that's why it's, it's interesting There's a, that they released this in a similar way they released the bail-in law sneakily on a Friday afternoon. Where they did that two years ago, only because Doug Mitchell in our office here spotted it, did, was it even known about, and we were able to campaign against it. In this case, 
I'll play, I'll play a video in a minute of a, a, a segment of an interview I did with Helen Edwards. Um, she tipped John, the economist John Adams off, who tipped me off, but she was tipped off from this law, about this law, from someone in North Africa, right? So someone outside of Australia who's interested in money laundering issues happened to notice this get posted online, probably through a Google alert or something, and tipped, and tipped her off. This is how this, without those kind of, without it coming to, to the light in a sort of a fluke way like that, it's entirely possible the way this parliament works, this kind of law can just be snuck through mm. with nobody knowing they announced you can't use cash over $10,000. And you wouldn't even know after the event. You wouldn't know after the event. Well, you would know until when they it, arrest you. Until the crack, <laughs> crackdown ensues. So what, here's what the law does. The law, what's written in the legislation that they've released, except there's a, there's a blank page called Division 2. They're said to be inserted, so they mm. don't, we don't even know what sneak, stuff they're going to put in there. But in the main part of the law... It's a, it's a ban on all cash transactions over $10,000 on, on penalty of two years jail. So if you, if you, if you, if you make, do a cash transaction over $10,000, you can go to jail. But then the government has said in, a, in a, um, a description of this law, oh, but hang on, don't you worry too much because we have exemptions to the ban. And the exemptions include um, you taking your money out of the bank or putting your money in the bank. That's You can do that in... So normal the, customers. Normal customers doing that in large quantities of cash. Right now, that's exempt. Plus consumer-to-consumer transactions. Mm. So I can buy a second-hand car from you with cash over, ten, tw- over you know, like a $12,000 cash transaction, right? You cannot... I cannot go to a second-hand car yard and pay cash for a second-hand car there because that's a business and that would have to be done electronically or through a check or something that can be traced. That's the way, that's what the, so, so that kind of consumer-to-consumer thing is exempt. A lot of people might think, well, okay, well, so it might not affect me that much. No, here's the sneaky bit. The exemptions are, none, are not in the law. Mm. They're in a regulation. The law has to be passed by parliament and voted on, and that's a, that's a time-consuming process, right, that can, people can object to it, et cetera, and you can, they, can, they can do inquiries into it and lock it up for a long period of time. The exemption is issued by the minister on his authority alone. It can change like that, right? And what you have to understand is this was a recommendation of the Black Economy Task Force Mm. that produced its report in 2017, and they state explicitly in there the whole purpose of this, because supposedly they're cracking down the black economy, we'll talk about in a minute, is to move people into the banking system. And I just want to make a point about that. We don't have public banks in Australia, right? Mm. Now, the government is using the power of law to force us to use private companies. Mm-hmm. That goes against everything um, natural or, or, or sort of constitutional or, or basic principles of rights. It goes against all... This is a Liberal Party government. It goes against all their free choice, consumer choice rubbish that they carry on about all the time, right, that they've used to destroy a lot of industries through deregulation. It goes against all that. They're making us use private corporations, and the whole purpose is to trap people in. And the banks which operate like a cartel essentially exactly. with a myriad of criminal activity to boot. And speaking of which we'll talk a bit about this Black Economy Task Force because uh, the head of it, tell us a bit about him, Michael Andrews. This is the most farcical part of this process, right? So they, the government appointed Michael Andrew AO, and I don't want to say too much bad about him because he died last month and you know, don't speak ill of the dead. But he headed this I want to concentrate on where he came from. He was the only Australian to make it to the top of a global big four accounting firm. Right? There's, there's four bigger global accounting firms, KPMG, Ernst & Young, 
PwC and Deloitte. Those big four accounting firms provide the infrastructure for the biggest tax evasion and money laundering that goes on around the world. Because not, most of it's not done by individuals, it's done by banks and corporations, mm. right? And all of them, to a company, like 90, they have something like, these big four firms have something like 99% of the market for multinationals. They do it all. They assist in the ripping off of governments and customers all over the world. That's their business. Mm -hmm. And that guy from KPMG was given the job of writing this report into the black economy. That is, that, that, that's called what we say, you know, in Australia, taking the piss, right? And he's produced this report where he's saying, you should not participate. He has a line in there. If you're, if you're using cash to pay for your hairdresser, you're part of the problem. Mm. No way. Mm. Do not tolerate this kind of BS from this, that, that kind of, those kinds of institutions. They are the problem, not you using cash for your hairdresser. And they're talking about, in this report that he put out, which was at October 2017, that all wages should be paid in cash. There should be incentives for all businesses to move to cash. There should be a federal identity system using biometrics to guard against money laundering, increased prosecutions to make examples of people, giving the ATO, the tax office, the law, law enforcement Turning powers. into a law enforcement agency. So they, yep. And they could even obtain bank information, reversing the onus of proof for some black economy offences, and social engineering programs dressed up as behavioural economics to change people's behaviour. That's behavior. a big part of their report. They say the problem is with Australians is we're going to have to, we need a new social contract, we've got to change societal norms, and they said we've got to bring in the behavioural economists to find ways to manipulate the public to do this. And one of those, one of the, you know, there's carrot and stick approach, and one of the, there's a, they put a lot of emphasis on the, on the stick. We've got to make examples of people. People have got to go to jail for, for, for this kind of thing. So the government's moving on the cash ban, but you're right. They've got, there's always other recommendations in there, but it's the cash ban's the first cap off the rank, and that's what we have to stop. So mm -hmm. I'll just go through. Here's yep. what people can do. This is very important. On our website, the CEC website, you'll see the, t the press releases we've done on this, and our friends at the Interest of the People channel, John, John Adams and Martin North, have done a very important video detailing the, the significance of the negative equity question, sorry, interest rate, negative interest rates question. That's definitely worth watching. That's actually gone viral though. So this is, we're making a big, um, getting a lot of attention on this issue. But in the 10 days until that, um, or by the 12th of August, you can send an email. And I have to emphasize, you must do it. Don't think yours won't matter. It will matter. We want to flood this Treasury email with objections. They normally get, when they, when they release a bill like this, they usually get about 30 submissions, right? We can make it hundreds and thousands. And then what that does, it's not about convincing Treasury, it's about sending a message to Canberra, this will not be tolerated. And once you've sent that email, send it first, then you can contact us for details of how you contact your Member of Parliament, your Senator, and there's five or six weeks before Parliament comes back on the 9th of September that we have... Don't think about this as saving your money. You're saving the country because what this is a, this is just one aspect of the the extreme measures and in, in fact fascist measures they're resorting to to prop up a sick banking system. This sick banking system is a predator on Australia. It sucks wealth out of the country and bankrupts the country. It preys on people. We've been leading the fight to reform it so we have a banking system that serves the real economy so that we can go back to a productive economy where where you know, production is not just in, in housing and construction, it's in manufacturing, it's in, it's in develop, economic development around the country, not just in the capital cities, etc. You can't do that kind of properly running an economy in Australia with our current banking system. We have to reform it, but these measures are designed to protect the existing sick system. Mm -hmm. 
So by fighting this measure, yes, you're fighting for your right to use cash, but you're fighting to save your country. And we've got 10 days to do it with this particular consultation process and five weeks to do it before this bill may get introduced into Parliament. Now we have to take a quick break, but we'll be right back to discuss how the pretext for this being money laundering is a sham. Welcome back to the CC Report. We're now discussing to shut down money laundering, target big banks and auditors. So as we've said, the vast majority of money laundering and tax evasion occurs via the big banks and with the assistance of global auditing firms, the big four in particular, they write the tax laws that enable the tax evasions and the use of tax havens in particular. And of course, Michael Andrews, who we were just discussing, who headed up this Black Economy Task Force, he was the head of KPMG when HSBC and Standard Chartered were caught money laundering in 2012. And there were major interventions, including from the British government, to stop charges against HBC for fear it would bring down the global banking system. And Andrew's company, K KPMG, was the long-time auditor for both those banks. Yeah. In other words, they helped them cover up years of money laundering, right? So it's not just a general thing that I was ranting about before with him. It's specific, and yet they're using money laundering as an excuse yeah, for this law. gave them a clean bill of health to keep operating. Yeah. You know, everything's fine here. So we now have an example from Australia which proves the same uh, is the case here. Yeah. So the other day, Elisa, I got to interview on uh, YouTube Helen Edwards. Helen is a, is a whistleblower on money laundering because she, she was a victim. She's, a CEP, uh, she's an accountant. She worked at very big companies. She, tried, she was in the process of starting a charity. And she was, there's, there's, there's money laundering, there's, there's criminal syndicates around the world that target people who do things like this to set them up to be, to be victims of money laundering and, and become mules in, a, mm. in effect, right? So she just her case was quick, quickly. She was um, this guy ingratiated himself to her. She thought she was talking to an American. He's from South America. Um, uh, he offered her a donation for her charity, one hundred and thirty thousand dollars in the US. It takes twenty eight days for that to clear in Australia. Before it cleared, he said, "Oh, sorry, you got to move some money here. You got to send some money to London, etc." And before you know it, she's deeply embroiled in this international syndicate, and then she. Is she's in fear of her life, etc. But she got no um, satisfaction from authorities. And I want you to watch where she's describing the efforts she's gone through to actually get the authorities to to act on this from a money laundering standpoint, and what she says about Australia. So I then, in two thousand and fifteen, after nearly dying and living a horrible life, started. I ended up getting a new job and ended up overseas. And I had time to think back, thinking, well, how come no one questioned me? Mm. You know, these amounts were over $10,000. There were certainly cash amounts over $10,000. Yeah, these, these, these institutions are supposed to have all these systems That's to prevent this, exactly this kind of thing, overseen yeah. by government authorities, Austrac, et cetera, and yeah. yet this happened to you and you were never questioned by any of the institutions. No. Right. So again, I raised, so 2015, I started saying, well, how come this happened? So I started doing my research. So I went to the financial obmansman, um, joke. I then started to learn. I didn't know about any of these people. I went to the ACCC. The ACCC said, oh, sorry, just another common money laundering victim. So sad, too bad. Nothing we can do. Go away. Um, so then I've gone to I know every agency in the country, they're all just a waste of time. So I've gone to ASIC, I've gone to Austrac, 
Oztrack said to me, um, oh, well, you know, it should have been noted the AFP should have been involved or the tax office. And I said, well, I've been to the Australian Taxation Office and they said, oh, well, you know, the Australian Tax Office don't tell us, sorry, ATO said Oztrack don't tell us everything. And I said, well, what are you all doing? Who's doing what? You have all these rules and regulations, but no one's actually doing anything. So anyway, Oztrack, ASIC and APRA, um, which are the three regulatory bodies of Commonwealth Bank, um, they've all acknowledged, they all just said, so say, go away, pretty much. So I've been through every one of them. I went to the Reserve Bank of Australia. The Reserve Bank said, oh, it's not our responsibility. We don't care about the responsibility of the Australian financial system. It's all in writing. It's all there if anybody wants it. And didn't you discover that what your experience with these government agencies is the reason Australia is targeted by these scammers? Yes. So, so we'd have, we don't enforce the law here? That's correct. So... I wouldn't even say that they're scammers. These guys are well organised, trained right. by professionals, right? They're not just, they write us off and saying, oh, well, it was a, you know, this scam or a that scam. It's yeah. not. These guys know exactly what they're doing and they know that our country does not care one bit, does not do anything, okay? So my criminal, um, he used to just laugh. He used to, like, seriously laugh and say, well, we don't care. We've been ripping you guys off for years. This is just easy money for us because no one does anything, right? So um, I go to all the different regulators, everyone. So I get to the point where I went to Tony Abbott, got an auto reply from the Prime Minister's office. You know, I've raised serious terrorism financing at this point because I'm saying, well, this is a national security issue. What if that money that's happened for me, and then I discovered, you know, it's been going on for 20 years and it's thousands, tens of thousands of people, is aiding terrorist funding? Right. And so now that I've been learning a lot more, how do I know that this is not part of aiding war crimes? Right. Which is an international criminal offence. So I then, so Tony Abbott, early 2015, Joe Hockey, Joe Hockey fogs me off to my um, local member, which is Andrew Broad. And Andrew Broad says, oh, it's your bloody fault. Um, and just, and I said, well, I need you to raise this as an adjournment debate in the government, in the parliament. And he said, no, we only have those petitions just to think people are doing something. It's all documented. I documented my conversation. It's all there in the minutes. So Andrew Broad just writes me off. I then go to, because um, we had a change in government, another, another you know, disaster. So I go, I then go, to, I'm going to, I go to Turnbull and Morrison and both, I got a letter on the 3rd of December from Malcolm Turnbull saying, Helen, we're at, active government, we care about what the people say, um, this is now the responsibility of the Treasurer. So I've got that much correspondence between Treasury, Scott Morrison, Malcolm Turnbull, all of them. Scott Morrison acknowledges me on LinkedIn, says I'll send all my stuff by the Ministry site. I sent all that. Three weeks later, he blocked me on LinkedIn. So because I've had no, um, no one will now deal with me in Australia, I have since learnt um, about Rome Statute Law. I've now been examining what other avenues I can do to get action against this corrupt country. That is actually putting the entire world at risk. It's a laundering washing machine for anyone and everyone. Um, I have now put my case together to um, be presented to the International Criminal Court in The Hague. People should go to our YouTube channel and watch the full interview with Helen where the details are in there. But she, her case is clear. The, the authorities here have no interest in actually cracking down on money laundering and we've seen that in many other cases as well. I'll be right back after this break.
Welcome back to the CEC report where we're discussing how the pretext for this bill to ban cash transactions being money laundering is a complete sham and we want to talk a little bit about the City of London and you can read in this week's Australian Alert Service, which you can call in for a complimentary copy if you haven't already, uh, an article about how the, uh, the new Economic Crime Strategic Board, which is meant to target economic crime and money laundering and tax evasion and so forth, They've appointed to their board banks like HSBC, RBS, Morgan Stanley, Standard Chartered, all these money laundering banks and accountants associations and so forth and the City of London Corporation. So they've literally put the foxes in charge of the hen house here. Yeah. Um, now London has been described uh, as a centre of money laundering and particularly by Roberto Saviano who exposed um, the mafia families by name in Italy and has had to live in exile since. He's called London or England the most corrupt place on earth. And he said the city of London is the world's biggest laundrette of drug trafficking's dirty money. And Nicholas Shaxon, who we've spoken about before on the show, uh, who's a British author, investigative journalist, has written extensively in his book uh, Treasure Islands, Tax Havens and the Men Who Stole the World about this system of tax havens that the British set up as an informal financial empire after decolonialisation. So dirty money is a critical component yep. of today's global financial system and after the GFC actually the UN drugs and crime boss Antonia Maria Costa had warned that the only thing that kept the banks going when all the interbank lending fr froze up was the proceeds of drug and criminal money. Well, apparently there was some kind of, there was a $400 billion transfer from organised crime into the banks to keep them going. And why would, why would organised crime want to save the banks? Because the banks are part of their business, mm -hmm. right? They, need, they couldn't exist without them. And you get really sus when the other day on the 17th of June, JP Morgan, um, a ship that they own was impounded uh, in Philadelphia at the port there uh, for carrying $1.3 billion worth of cocaine. Um, and this is something that's happening a lot and where you've had banks in America competing over the proceeds of criminal activity like HSBC. Now, here in Australia, the same thing is the case. And in 1997, we interviewed the then head of the Federal Police Union, Luke Cornelius, who's now the assistant commissioner for the Victorian Police. And he said that every financial institution in Australia is happily dealing in tainted money, either knowingly or unknowingly. But he said if they don't do something about it, then they bear a responsibility for the capacity of organised crime uh, to take over. So there's a collusion there going on, which yeah. is very clear in the case that we just showed of Helen. And, and let me just comment on the Crown Casino story that 60 Minutes did, because you know, people would, there's a scene in there where there's cash changing hands, etc. And the government is probably, would probably use Crown Casino as an excuse for this law. But the issue is not the cash, the issue is the corruption. That's what the, the currency of money laundering is. They've known about Crown Casino for years and they don't act on their own laws to police that stuff, mm. right? They do not let them come along now and use those examples and the examples of this massive money where the real money laundering is taking place to say you ordinary people have to lose your rights to use cash um, because of that problem. Exactly. These authorities have let that problem go on. It's not the ordinary citizen's fault. And we know there'll be increasingly fascist police state measures, as we've already seen, to enforce this if it's allowed to go through. So before you do anything else, when you've stopped, finished watching this, go and sit down, write your submission, email it through. If you need any further help, contact us for more information. Yep. Thanks for tuning in to the CEC and we'll have more on this subject next week.